0: Hello and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Pretty simple, Psalm 24. If you've never read Psalm 24 in its entirety, it's not very long. But psalm 24 in pieces is one of the most quoted psalms of the Bible. But I'm not sure how many of us realize that these separately quoted verses are all in the same psalm. And it's a pretty powerful one. And When I read all of these often quoted verses together, over and over again, I started to see that there was a picture that the Lord was wanting to kind of bring to us that I thought was different than any time we would quote the individual scriptures separate from their context. So today I thought we would read the entirety of Psalm 24, which is not very long, so don't get all nervous. It's not like Psalm 119, (laughs) it's just a couple verses. But in it, I think we get a glimpse into what the Lord has in mind, not just in 2022, but all along concerning the earth. So I'm going to read it in its entirety, and you're going to hear these often quoted verses all together. And then I want to kind of tear it apart with you for a couple of minutes. See the Lord's heart in it. So Psalm 24, I'm in the New American Standard, and it says this, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Then David encourages a pause. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient door, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. That's it. That's the psalm. Did you guys all recognize those verses, right? How many people have heard those verses said in part before, right? It's powerful that all of them are in the same psalm. Now, that might not be news to any of you, so I'm not telling you something new, but I found it very uh, enlightening when reading them all together because I've quoted these verses personally in part and had different thoughts in mind for them than I got when I read it all together in its context. And so today I thought we would just take a couple minutes and kind of read this both like we just did but with commentary in between to kind of see maybe what the Lord had in mind through David when he declared this all together. Now, without looking, what's the verse, what's the psalm right before this? Yeah, I know it's Psalm 23. (laughs) Kendall can count backwards, everybody. But what is, it, what is the psalm about? The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, who else knows it? I shall not want. Keep going. So you're lying down in green pastures with the shepherd. What else? He restores your soul. There's some more in there. Keep going. Though I walk through the valley. Yep, yeah, not going to fear any evil, right? whose rod whose staff his rod and his staff will come for you come on yeah you already said that one right prepares a table where that is so important stop where does he prepare a table for you why huh so we're not afraid very good why else what'd you say to share with them. What's the very first time Jesus uses the word love? You guys remember? Very first time Jesus uses the word love. Love your enemies. That's the first time Jesus used the word love. And he hearkens back to Psalm 23 where he says, I'm going to make a table for you in front of them, in front of those who don't like you, for those who don't think they're on your side. They just don't realize how incredible you are yet. I'm going to make them a meal. I'm going to make you the head of the table. And then I'm going to invite them to your table. Isn't that incredible? All right, I know I broke stride, So you might not be able to remember what's next. What's after that? Wait, what? What? But doesn't he first? Yeah. He anoints your head, people, with oil. His presence is with you. Okay, so wait, wait slow, 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 slow down. Slow, slow down, you speedster. So after he anoints head, what happens? Your cup runs over. You will always have what? Enough. More than enough. If your cup's running over, first of all, most of us, when our cup's running over, what do we do? We stop. I know I do oh man I went too far and the Lord's like nope that's why I love fall I'm jumping all over the place I'm just going to warn you now this is going to be the most scatterbrained message you've ever heard in your life but I love fall because it's proof that the Lord does not care about waste every year Billions upon trillions of leaves show up on trees every year, and then every year they just—do you know where they go? Anybody? I'm being honest because I don't know where they go either. Like I, they just go. They have sometimes a thousand trash bags, right? But they just go, and then next year, more. Your cup runneth over. And the, and the spring season and then the fall season's a reminder. I just pour and I keep pouring. And if it goes away, it's okay, because I'm the God who gives more than enough. I love it. Okay, now finish it. There it is. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, and I will dwell where? Where? that's intentional everything else the lord does and then right at the end he says i will dwell it's like god puts it in david's heart after seeing all this incredible faithfulness of the lord he's like you know what this is a house worth dwelling in this is where i was meant to be so that's the context the setup for psalm 24 powerful right right The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. Don't forget, the last verse of Psalm 23 was I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what's the house of the Lord? Next verse. If you can just do me a favor and just kind of read this almost like an actual book. Okay? So when you read a book, you read one line, and then what do you read next? The next line. So let's read this book. Surely goodness and loving kindness, or goodness and mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The earth is the Lord's. Is it possible that the house of the Lord is the earth? Hello? Is it possible that when God created the heavens and the earth... And he was building a house. Well, no, Mark. Mark, heaven is his house. I don't know. You read the whole Bible. He starts to talk about some things. Who is the house of the Lord? We are. Who is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think he's just opening our minds here. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So who's left out of verse 1? I just want to make sure everybody can say no one. Who's in verse 1? Can everybody say all? It's been a while. And guess what all means? It really does. It really means all. That means everyone is whose. Oh, that brings me such incredible comfort. I just want to sit in the idea that all of this is the Lord's. Both the beauty of the creation and the crazy of people. Hello? There is no separation, there is no, this is God's and this isn't. The Lord, because He's an incredibly good Father, says it's all, right? Look, any of you who are parents who have ever had children, look, you can't decide when they are and when they aren't yours, even though you try sometimes, right? Yeah, like when they're, when they're on the heathen stage, when they're in the heathen stage where they're acting like total, complete demonic, right? Your kids have never acted that way? All right, I'm just making sure. When they are in full demon mode, they are yours, Sometimes, oh, sometimes they're your husbands. Okay. All right. There we go. Let's read Psalm 24, verse 1. What's, what's your address? What's your address? Yeah, okay, we don't want to do that? Okay. I was going to do that to you. It's all his. And I'm really thankful in the crazy, in the dark, when it's really painful, when you're not sure what's going to happen next. I can take comfort in the fact that this is all his. All of this. And he chooses to take ownership. Even if someone takes an idea that he originally put in them and then totally perverts it with their own way of thinking and then tries to build something, he says, you know what? The only way there's any opportunity at redemption is if I say, that's mine. So please, as a child of God, beware of saying that's not the Lord. Because it's in, in that moment, you are divorcing. Even if it's in your own mind, you're divorcing the power of God from that thing, that person, that situation. Hello? It's all his. All of this is his. Everything in the earth is the Lord's. And then look at this next verse which this verse kind of had me for a little bit. Like I was like, okay, Lord, I need need your help on this. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Now, I build a little bit once in a while. Water is not a great foundation. Hello? In fact, you really try hard to make sure water doesn't get anywhere near things that need to be stable. But the Lord founded the earth upon the seas and established it upon rivers. We almost need to go back and look at Genesis 1. You need to go back and go listen to this Bible study that we've been doing through Bible school, and you start to see the incredible power of water, the incredible opportunity, the fact that the Holy Spirit hovers over the waters. I think of waters. I think of, anybody else think of life? I know I do. And here's something else that I was thinking about as he establishes it on a thing that in my natural mind is unstable. I also think of the fact that when he says he founded it upon the seas, you know, it's almost as if, don't think of it as a physical thing. And I have to talk, I'm talking to myself right now because this is how I was thinking through Psalm 24. Don't think of it as a physical thing, but think of it more as how it works. So the earth is the Lord's, everything it contains, the world and everyone in it, and then it says how he founded it or how he established it. Almost as if there's ebb and there's flow. You can either decide to flow with the tides and with the waters. Has anybody ever tried to fight current? It's very hard. What usually ends up happening? Who wins? The current wins. I mean, my gosh, last time we were at the beach, we weren't even allowed to get in the water for the first three days because the riptides were so bad. And it's almost as if the Lord is encouraging us, hey, 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 flow with me. We, We sang it in one of the songs. It's from John chapter three. He says, look, those who are mine, they actually go to and fro How like what? Like the wind. They move with. And I think it's not, it's not a it's not a like, hey, everywhere the wind blows, because actually the Bible actually teaches us not to be like the wind blows, but to be like who? The Lord and the Spirit of the Lord is actually like the breath, the ruach of God. So as he breathes, we move with his breath. And I feel like there's something tangible, though it's ethereal, with the earth being founded upon the waters. Like, are you able, this is what I hear the Lord saying in verse two, are you able to flow with him? Is it possible that when, when the rivers are flowing, instead of trying to fight against the current all the time, maybe that the Lord's actually, oh my, flowing with people instead of standing against them. Is it possible that all these people that we think are against the Lord, the Lord's actually like flowing with them in order to pull them back in? Hello? Like, I feel like that might be. There's probably a lot more there, and you can unpack that with the Lord, but I felt so much like that. Like, he founded the earth, and he founded the world, and he founded this for lack of a better term, this system, this organic way that the earth was going to be formed. He formed it in such a way where, hey, beware, don't get set in a certain way of thinking. Don't get, like, rock. Even though I want you to build your life upon a rock, I want you to flow with me as I move. I want you to feel my heart, feel my spirit as I live. Heaven was supposed to be the original environment of earth. If you go look at Genesis chapter 1, it says that the birds, not the birds, the birds flew in the expanse of the heavens. That's what the word, that's the actual language, which means that when a bird flies by your head, heaven's close. The entire intention of the Lord was that the heavens were to be the atmosphere of the earth. So this idea of flowing with heaven versus flowing with what's like, this is the only way God does things. This is the only thing God says. That's why my concern sometimes is we think this is the word of God versus Jesus being the word of God. This can, be some, this can become something we read it one time and it means one thing and it never changes. Has anybody ever gotten there with specific things? I know I have. And then the Lord comes in and he says, hey, I want you to think about it this way. And he completely flips the script on me with the exact same verse. Has he ever done that to you? Like a completely different perspective. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you've just completely changed everything. That can't be right. That can't be you. That can't be true. And he's like, it's me. I'm true. Oh, just a thought. Okay, so the context so far. Look at this. The earth is the Lord's. Everything in it, including the people, are all, to say with me, His. The earth is His. The people are His. The environment is His. The stuff that we're doing or not doing, or the stuff that we should be doing or shouldn't be doing, He just decides it's all His. That's the context for the next verse. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Let's just stop there. Okay, the context is the whole earth. The context is the people in it. And then he uses this verse next. And we've used this verse before, but we haven't used it maybe in the context of verses one and two. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? I think, probably like many of you have thought, that when I hear this verse, I automatically think of the heavenly places. I think of the presence of God around the throne of God, but I don't think that's the right way to look at this. I actually think the hill of the Lord and the holy place is a place where the Lord kind of establishes on the earth as a place of authority, as a place of influence, as a place of a rule for lack of a better term. He's saying, I created the whole earth. I created all the people in it, and they're all mine. Now, here's the question. Who will ascend into a place where they will have authority and have rule and have dominion over that which is mine? Just stay with me. Is it possible that what the cry is, whether it's David or whether it's the Lord, is there a cry that says, who will rule this with me? Who will come up into this place and have authority over all that is mine? It's almost, I'll just tell you, this is just my opinion, but I feel like it's the voice of the Father crying out to his children who were made in his image and likeness and saying, who will rise up into this place with me and see it the way I see it, have the heart for it that I have, and rule it, influence it, like I would. Possible? At least it's possible, right? I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it's possible that that's what it could mean. Okay, so who will ascend into this hill? Because the hill, come on, let's be honest, the hill is like this higher place, right? And the holy place of God, like it ain't just any place. This holy place is a place where not everybody could go. Back in this context, very few people could enter the holy place. You guys know that, right? When this was written, there were only one people, maybe once in a while, one guy a year that could be able to go in. So who will? But don't forget, David was also a a forerunner of a different temple. We know that. Okay, anyway, verse 4. This is the answer to verse 3. Okay. Now, we've read verse 3 and verse 4. We've quoted it oftentimes before. But here's the answer to who will ascend the hill of the Lord, who will stand in his holy place. Here's the answer. He who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. And in that moment, I realized I was not qualified. Anybody else? I just need to know, does anybody else feel like they're just completely unqualified when you see that? Okay, I'm just making sure I'm in the right room because I should sit down and one of you guys that didn't raise your hand, get your up here and talk. <laughs> he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully and I'm just like how often have I done all that anybody I just need to make sure I'm in the right room I just want to say anybody I mean these are the attributes of real influence I started to realize as I read this that the Lord is looking for the kind of person to influence that I'm not sure we we rarely look for these type of people to be people that influence us. But here's the reality. These are the people that actually influence all the earth. Because the Lord is using verse 4 to answer verse 3 in the context of verses 1 and 2. So what really is happening in verse 4 is a declaration of those, sorry, the characteristic of those who rule the earth. Whether we want to say they're the presidents of nations or senators or kings of nations or whoever, it does not matter who we elect or who's next in line in birth. This is who rules the earth. Boom. Oh, I forgot to do that, Jen. You told me to do this. I didn't do that. Do not disturb. Okay. Innocence rules the earth, purity rules the earth. Am I wrong? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in the holy place? He who has clean hands. Let's just start there. Clean hands. Look, everybody knows that, well not everybody, but I'll just tell you in case you don't. Most often the opposite of clean hands biblically is what? Anybody know? Try to share it with you? Huh? Okay, well, yeah. You're getting a little overly technical. Let me just tell you what I was thinking because I when I looked it up, For me, when I saw this, he who has clean hands, the opposite of that is those who shed innocent blood. Oftentimes, clean hands is opposed by those who shed innocent blood. Now, I'm pretty sure that pretty much everyone in this room has not actually killed somebody, let alone killed someone that was innocent. So what the heck does that mean for me today? And I realize so many times I have taken someone in my heart, And I have done violence to them. Now we're all on the same page, I bet. We've thought about somebody. We've considered them outside of the nature and character God created them. Hello? I have not always had clean hands for people. I have not always had pure heart toward people. I've had the exact opposite. I've had thoughts about people that they would never, I would never want them to know. Anybody else? Yeah, okay, just, yeah, thank you. We're in a common ground here. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood. I had to look that up a little bit because I wanted to make sure that there wasn't just this thing. uh, So, um, Remember, where, where am I? Who has not lifted up his? I looked that up. Oh, yeah. yeah, those whose souls are rooted in truth, who are solidly and inwardly rooted in what is best for the earth and all who are in it. That's what that means. So, those who have not lifted up their soul to falsehood. This is what it means from the Hebrew. I just kind of put it into some words that we can understand. Those who are inwardly, solidly rooted in what is best for the earth and all who are in it. To be honest, the majority of us are thinking about what is best for us and us again. <laughs> we're squaring it. <laughs> because to be honest with you, that's most of the time what we're thinking about. And those who stand on the hill of the Lord those who arise into a place that can literally influence the earth are those who think about what's best for the earth. Who literally actually are focused on benefiting all. Again, I mean I just feel like big like fail on my part. I'm not being self-deprecating, like that's real. Like I do not do that very often. And I want to do that more. Finally, the last like qualification, the last uh, characteristic of those who can stand in this place are those who have not sworn deceitfully. Well, Lord, I, I don't. Well, I kind of do swear sometimes. I did it this morning, um, but swear. It doesn't have that connotation like you and I do today. Like, we don't use that term very much in 2022 America, but the idea of swearing means I commit to, means I stand on what I'm about to say, and my life depends on what I'm about to say. And then it goes farther. It says, has sworn deceitfully. In other words, I'm going to make a commitment, but I have no intention of backing it up. To swear deceitfully is the opposite of being committed and that my commitment is genuine and it's established in a clean hand and a pure heart and in a soul that is lifted up to truth i'm like oh boy but in other words what the lord's looking for for these people he's looking for those who are committed to goodness are committed to abundance who are committed to flowing with what god has in mind going back to being founded upon the waters and upon the seas like the lord is looking for those who will swear based upon what the lord is committing to what's the lord committed to i i want this earth to flourish and to be blessed and to be abundant go back to genesis 1 it's what it says there he says i want it to be be fruitful and multiply fill the earth And then I want those who will have influence and authority over it to be that way. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, I get it why the kingdom belongs to children. While the disciples are telling the kids, hey, 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 don't bother them, and Jesus is saying, I want them, bring them, bring them, bring them, all of a sudden, verse 4, and that verse come together for me. Like those kids who are longing to sit on the lap of Jesus, Jesus sees this. Jesus sees this. He says, Clean hands, everybody's awesome. It's a Lego song, right? Well, that's everything is awesome. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Kids just think that way. Kids see a person, they're like, They're great. They immediately trust. They immediately see the great things. How many times? They, well, they, they either see the great things where they say you're beautiful or they're really quick to say you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> but they see it as it is. It is honest. It is truth. And for those of us, we struggle with that. Like we want to say what it is. We want to say what is good. But oh, there are so many things holding it back. Our flesh nature is just like constricting the goodness of God on the inside of us. These kids, they have pure hearts. They have wonder and awe of things that we just walk by like it's happened all the time. Back to Gary saying today, this is not just a thing that we're going to look back and say, oh, cool story, but. Kids are, they're going to always say, that's incredible. Did you see what my toy just did? Those are the ones who ascend the hill of the Lord. These are the ones who don't lift up their soul to falsehood. They don't even know how. They just know truth. That's why sometimes kids say things and you're just like, oh. But the reality is they, they're just saying what is. I'm telling you, I think innocence is authority from the heavenly perspective. I think innocence is authority from the heavenly perspective. And we downplay it all the time. We go, oh, oh, it's cute. Where heaven's like, cute. That's what moves mountains. And Here, I'll prove it to you. I'm willing to bet that the people you have the most easy and abundant love for are the most innocent people in your life. The ones that you so quickly and easily just, you don't have any offense toward them, you don't have any kind of issues with, are the most innocent people in your life. I'm willing to bet. Even if you just, like, right now, disagree with it, think about it this afternoon when you're laying on your couch. The people you have the least amount of issues with are probably little kids. Unless they are just keeping you up at night or refuse to listen to what you're saying. But here's the deal. They're the ones that heal your heart the quickest too the innocent in your life, those ones that have pure hearts, the ones that aren't trying to convince you of something, not trying to persuade you, not trying to change you, just being themselves. They're the ones you have the easiest time with. Proof of it is watching my wife with my grandson. The kid can absolutely do no wrong. He is literally, this is going to sound crazy to you, but it's true. He is holy ground. And if you don't think he's holy ground, mess with him when dawn's nearby. I'm not wrong, am I? I'm not wrong. I'm not even wrong a little bit. This is one time I know I'm not wrong at all with you. This is incredible. Innocence is authority from the heavenly perspective and we downplay it all the time, and we think those who should have authority are those who have wisdom based in the things of this world. Those who have experience. Those who use bigger words than I know. Those who have cynicism, but it's draped in something that's acceptable. I mean, think about it. We're what, less, less than two weeks from an election cycle? Am I right on that? Less than two weeks-ish? It's like a week and a half, right? Next, yeah, so a week and a half, yeah. And we're gonna be voting for people that I'm willing to bet don't check any of those boxes. Hello? Let's be real. And all of us, hello? All of us voting <laughs> probably don't check many of those boxes. And here's the reality, though. And look. I'm waiting for someone to say, Mark, what about Jesus? What about the blood of Jesus that washes us clean and causes us? Yes. But here's the deal. Even if it does, do you still believe you are? In order to believe you are, you actually have to see the fruit of that in your life. There's one thing to be cleansed. There's another thing to walk as you are cleansed. There's another, and I'm talking to myself here. I am talking to myself here. Jesus, you have cleansed me from all unrighteousness. My sin is as far as the east is from the west. My question to me, not you, is why do I still walk like it's right here? Anybody? Yeah. And if we were like these children who had clean hands and a pure heart, who didn't lift up our soul to falsehood, who didn't swear deceitfully, and or if we did, if we got hurt, back to Sean telling us, hey, how quickly do you forgive? I had to be reminded of that recently. Like, Mark, have you forgiven? Oh, yeah. Man, when I forgive, I begin to check a couple of those boxes. At least in a moment, for a moment, until I remember again. Okay, I mean, let's finish Psalm 24. This person shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. So this is the beauty of, is it five and six? Yeah. The beauty of five and six is, is if we have clean hands and pure heart, if we're cleansed by that spirit of God and we walk in that cleanliness, then we actually find ourselves in the hill of the Lord with by no effort of your own. Here's the thing ascending the hill of the Lord is standing in the presence of God and having him cleanse you from those things that don't allow you to check those boxes. Simple. You don't have to work for this. The idea of ascending causes it, kind of the idea of a, it's like a climb, and it's like, it's like painful. And the reality is, if I just allow the Lord to have his loving way with me, that is ascension. Let that settle in. That's ascension. Being cleansed, being healed, being restored by your loving Father literally raises you up just like Resurrection Sunday. Jesus being raised up by that same love. And we find ourselves in the presence of God, with him in the holy place, and then we receive this blessing and we get the righteousness of God. Why? Because we're with him in the holy place in that place of authority and influence and here it is it's not just one person like it used to be and that's where the context is it's so beautiful go back to verse five it's a he so it, it kind of gives you the idea previous the first five verses kind of give you the idea that he's talking about who is that one person and everybody thinks jesus right but the reality is we are seated in in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly places, this is a place for us. Like, this is a place for us. So, but verse 5 kind of sounds like, I'm just looking for one person to receive this blessing and get the righteousness from God. But then verse 6 says, there's actually a whole generation. There is a people. And that's why I have such hope for the children. The problem is children become like us. Let's be real. Right now our children are incredible and they're pure and they're holy. I had two daughters today leading worship and I was watching them and I was just in awe all over again of how incredible the Lord is, faithful from one generation to another. But here's the thing, and I want you guys to realize this, and I don't know if you do, but all of the pain and all of the rejection and all of the crap that their parents have gone through, they went through too, yet they were there honoring the Lord. With, Like I saw, go back to verse, is it three, four? I think it's four. Can you jump back to four? I saw that right there. Like I saw those two girls I saw my other daughter and I saw Anderson up there and all four of them like they know everything that's been said about their mom and dad, they know everything that's been done good or bad to them and they still choose he chooses to still be up there, those two still choose to be here, Megan still chooses to be there worshiping. my wife still chooses to be there I see that in my girls and I just I'm like there is hope there is a generation who is standing in the holy place, who has ascended the hill of the Lord, and whether, whether they're recognized or not for it, their innocence, their purity, their not swearing deceitfully, though they are tempted to do so, it is influencing the whole earth. And when I look at that, and I... I thought I hit it, I guess I didn't. My phone, my watch keeps talking to me. When I look at them and I watch them worship and I see how they continue to stay faithful, I am—I see that the generations are improving. That it is getting better. That the light is getting brighter. So hope for your children. I'm sure all of us parents can probably say the same thing. Our kids are probably better than us. Hallelujah. My children, I praise God because I see a generation. Go back to verse 6 now. Sorry, bud. Who seek him, who seek his face, even in the temptation to be hardened, even in the temptation to not have clean hands and to not have a pure heart and to swear deceitfully. I see a generation who still seeks him. And then what it does, I know this might sound like opposed to the way it's supposed to be. I look at my kids, and I get inspired. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe there was a time where they looked to mom and I to do it, but now I'm telling you, I look to my kids so many more times. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I rise up the hill again. And I remember innocence. I remember cleansed cleansed hands and pure heart. Oh, that's how we change the world. Not through cynicism and pointing fingers and revealing evil. Oh no, love covers. That's right, love covers. Doesn't love doesn't expose, love covers. And in that moment, I influenced the whole earth again with his heart. Jesus. Then the final verses here, the final verses. Look at this. We pause after that. Like we just need to pause and realize there's a generation, because that's what sela means. But look at verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Now, I, what I hear in verse 7 is I hear a cry of heaven shouting to the earth, the ancient doors of earth, every gate of influence in the earth. Listen up! They're here. The sons and daughters of this Father are here. Doors open, gates open because real influence has just entered the earth. Sons and daughters who have the heart of their father are now here. Listen to them. That's what I see when I see that verse. And lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. And then guess what 9 and 10 is? Again. And we know there's a rule, right? When you read the scriptures, there's a rule of repetition. When it's said more than one time, it's meant to be, it's like emphasis. The Hebrew writers use that as emphasis. Instead of shouting louder, they just say it again. Okay? So, they do it again. There's a little bit of a change, and I'll show you the change. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift, what is it, what's that word? Them up. up. Oh, ancient doors. It's almost like a switch. First, it's a declaration of there's people coming that are going to bring the Lord in. But then the Lord says, Ah, oh, no, it's not just me, it's them too. There's a generation who's seeking me, and I'm bringing them with me. They are of me, they are mine, and I am theirs. I will be their God. They will be my people. Do you hear it? Oh, it's exciting that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the glor- the Lord Almighty. Is that the next verse? Yeah, he is the king of glory. You and I have the privilege and pleasure being cleansed by his nature, by being cleansed by his spirit, by constantly letting go of those things that have warped our thinking, that have want to offend us, that want to pull us down into the things of this world. If we can ascend the hill of the Lord with him, we become literally influencers of his heart in the earth. We are the ones that the ancient doors and those gates open up to, and they literally say, Diane, Dan, Amber, get up here. The world needs to see and hear who's inside of you. I think this is so important because as we enter into an election cycle, as we live in the culture that we live in, I think personally that we're blinded by false authority. And we're deceived by social media influencers. And we think that those people are actually the real influence in the earth. And the Lord says, nah, this is mine. This is not some billion follower person on some social media apps world. This is mine. And from the very beginning till this very moment, the exact same heart is required to have influence over this earth. And it's the heart that I have. If you love the earth like I love it, if you love the people in it like I love it, you will have the influence. doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter who's elected. It doesn't matter who has authority. Right here, Psalm 24 is the secret of how the earth becomes like it was always meant to be. Right there, the whole time. Not little verses that we shout out in the middle of worship. This is how God establishes the earth from the beginning through all time. I want you on the hill of the Lord with me. I have clean hands toward people. I have pure hearts toward people. I don't want them to die. I don't want them to fail. I want them to live and succeed. How could you ever want that? Look what they're giving their hearts to. The only way they'll ever change is if I and whoever else influences them wants them to live and succeed. Nobody changes because you want them to fail. Hello? The people in your life who you look to the most are those who believe in you. Those who, even if they're like, I don't know what he's doing, but I'm with you. Have you ever been like that with somebody? You're just like, whew, I guess we're going over this cliff together. Let's hope we learn how to fly between now and the bottom. There are incredible people like that in your life right now. Turn your eyes. Because they're the real influencers in your life. They're the ones that believe in you when you don't even believe in yourself. They're the children of your life. They might be 75 years old, but they're still the children in your life. They're the clean hands and the pure hearts that you need to ascend the hill of the Lord. Anybody? Father, I ask, not only that we would have these hearts, that we would have this heart that sees the earth like you see it, but that we would have the heart and hands the soul, the commitment that you have for it. Jesus, help us to look beyond ourselves, our own pain, our own failures, our own weaknesses, our own insecurities. Help us to look beyond that and realize there is a hill to stand on. And it takes way less effort than we thought it did to stand on it. You are calling us up into that place. We're not to be hiding this light under a bushel basket. (laughs) That's for other people to hide in closets. Lord, we are supposed to be out and we're supposed to shine, and the world is supposed to see this light. So help us in our weakness, help us in our insecurity, help us in our frailty. Actually, help us in our strength. Jesus, clean hands, pure heart, my soul, truth, my commitments, pure, genuine, holy. I want what's best for the earth. I want what's best for people. I don't want to see them fail. I don't want them to even reap what they sow unless they have been sowing good things. God, I mean that. I mean that with my own heart. Even if they end up reaping what they sow, that's not what I want for them. Even if they end up reaping what they sow and it's not good for them, I will be there even as they're reaping it so that they can rise up again. Oh, let there be a people around people who are failing. Let there be a people with clean hands and pure heart to be literal Voices that bring them back up the hill again. This is real influence. And I pray that we have it humble, holy influence. That the earth's atmosphere would be heaven forever. Amen. All right, while I'm thinking about it, I speak blessing over 81. I speak blessing over the state roads and the small roads of our area. Just do this with me, would you? Life and not death. We declare it over our roadways. We declare it over this huge section of 81. How far up are the Starlippers now? How far up 81 are you guys? Like exit what? Ish. Okay. 60. That's what we're going to say. I know that's farther up there, but we're just going to take it. From exit 60 all the way down into Hagerstown and below. That's ours. And we say life to you. May people that travel that area, that, that stretch of road, experience my Father. Experience love. Have heavenly vision, but still stay on the road. In Jesus' name, we declare it so. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Love you. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.